The following is a paid program. Portions of this program may have been pre-recorded. All views or opinions expressed are solely the responsibility of the sponsored. The host and guests do not reflect that of this station, ownership, management, or staff. This station does not endorse or support any claims made. The content of this program is provided for educational and informational purposes. It is strictly up to the listener to accept or reject what is presented. Thank you for listening. Good morning, and welcome to Ask the Pro, a paid commercial program. The opinions expressed are those of the participating clients and not necessarily those of the management and staff of WLVL. Ask the Pro is an informational-based program designed to advertise the product and or service of the client and to introduce them to the WLVL listening audience. Your questions and comments are welcome throughout the show. Just call 716-433-1433. All right. Good morning, everybody. You're listening to Ask the Pro here on WLVL. And as we said, you can feel free to join our conversation at 433-1433. We are joined this morning by Andrea Cook, who is representing the Alzheimer's Association. Uh, good morning, Andrea. How are you? Good morning. Thanks for having me. Yes, I'm so glad you uh, were able to take time out of your day to come and join us. So um, I understand that there are some meetings coming up. And uh, they're going to be locally here in this area. And uh, for families, this is for families that have um, Alzheimer's, that have been affected by Alzheimer's disease. So maybe if you could just tell us, a, give us a little bit of a background on what we're what we're looking to do here. Absolutely, yeah. So we just wanted to make sure that folks are aware that we have a regular monthly support group that meets right in Lockport for people who have a loved one with Alzheimer's disease, whether they're a caregiver for that person directly, um, maybe um, they're just a concerned friend and they have questions about the disease, they're not sure how best to approach that person, um, maybe they're a long-distance caregiver, they're here and their loved one is far away, but we have uh, experts on the disease who are there uh, every day, every uh, second Wednesday of the month at Trinity Lutheran Church in Lockport, who are available to chat and provide information. Very good. So now, uh, I know some people that are affected by this horrible, horrible uh, disease, and they are so busy taking care of their loved ones, it seems like they can't take time out of their schedule to go get their own help mm-hmm. what's let's let's talk about that for a minute you know people need to take a minute and get some support if you could absolutely yeah, let's talk yeah. About that. it it can be so tricky so you know i, I think that the, the sad truth is that sometimes people get so wrapped up in providing care that they start to neglect their own needs and their own health and and it's heartbreaking but true that sometimes the caretaker passes away before the person living with Alzheimer's disease or dementia does um, because they just throw everything that they have into providing that care. So, you know, we here at the Alzheimer's Association believe really strongly in the importance of the caregiver taking some time to take care of themselves. And support groups are one um, of several, but one really powerful way to do that. 
meeting other people who are in a similar situation, who you can speak to honestly, um, you know, warts and all, share it all truthfully and, and talk about what it's like day to day. You know, share your successes, share your heartbreak, um, pull your hair out together, but then have a good cry, pat each other on the back and feel renewed and, and be able to go back out there and, and pick it back up. That's very well put. So somebody's a caregiver. They have not yet been to any support meetings. Mm -hmm. And, of course, they're feeling a little tenuous about it because it's new, it's different. They're already overwhelmed with their life circumstances. What are they going to expect maybe for their very first meeting when they go on, was it this, every second uh, Wednesday Wednesday. at Trinity Lutheran Church here in Lockport. What what can we expect for our first, first encounter, first meeting? Sure. Yeah. So it's a, it's a small group. It's, um, you know, it's just a handful of people. Um, so, you know, even if you want to just go and listen, um, and, and not say a peep except, hi, how are you? Thanks for having me at the end. That's fine. Um, but you get an opportunity just to meet and, and listen to other folks. You know, the, the folks that you meet there, they may be um, earlier in the journey than you are. You know, maybe their loved one isn't as progressed in the disease since Alzheimer's disease is a progressive illness. Over time, it, it gets worse. There are more symptoms. Um, you know, it starts with just the memory loss, but expands into other um, other symptoms. Uh, so, you know, maybe the person isn't as far along or maybe they're farther along than you are, but you can kind of listen and, and learn from them and get an idea of kind of what to expect going forward. And also just know that you have, uh, you know, you have a community. There's people who understand. There's people who get it. Um, and you're not alone in this. Yeah, I understand that there's, but it's like seven stages, depending on who you talk to. Yep. Uh, some people say there's four stages. Other people say there's mm-hmm. seven. Uh, what, what do we ascribe to? Sure. So at the Alzheimer's Association, we just kind of break it down into early, middle, and late. Um, you know, there's that seven-stage model, but a lot of times when I hear people talking about that, they'll say, well, you know, she's kind of in stage five, but she's got a couple pieces of stage six but not really i mean some days she's more like stage three so we just kind of keep it simple and say you know just kind of mild symptoms moderate symptoms and then more severe symptoms um because it it really can you know each person everyone's brain is wired differently and each person responds to the disease differently um there's no set timeline um and the symptoms don't come in a specific order in every individual so um there's always going to be differences okay ladies and gentlemen you're listening to um andrea cook do you say Cook or Coke? I do say Cook, yes. Okay, so do uh-huh. I. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> our names are spelled the same, but we are not related. Uh, from the Alzheimer's Association, um, and she's talking about the meeting that's coming up May 8th, which is this uh, this week, and this is going to be at the Trinity Lutheran Church. In Lockport. In Lockport. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if, if you have any questions, concerns, comments, thoughts, you are certainly welcome to join our conversation. Maybe you have a loved one that you're you're not sure about maybe you're you're exhibiting some symptoms that you're a little uh, trepidatious about um feel free to give us a call at 433-1433 we would love to have you in on this conversation because uh you know we're here to help yeah absolutely all right so um if say i was to go to a meeting 
Mm-hmm. Do I have to do anything to prepare for it? I mean, if my loved one is in stage one or stage three or mm-hmm. wherever, you know, moderate, immediate, mm-hmm. do I have to do anything or can I just show no, up? No, come as you are um, and and you'll find support. You know, one of the things I forgot to mention about this particular group in Lockport, um, this group, um, we have a respite program that meets at the same time. So what is respite? It's a break. What you can do is if your loved one is in the early stage of the disease um, or or kind of the, the early moderate stage, um, you can bring your loved one because there's a social program that's four hours long that meets at the church at the same time. So you can bring your loved one. Um, you'd have to uh, first call and and register them let the let the program know that they're coming um because the way it's structured is that there's a one-on-one volunteer to participant or guest um ratio so you would bring your loved one who has the disease and they would do a variety of activities for four hours it's completely free to bring them there um, and uh, it, it's just an opportunity for them to be social be around people and for you as a caregiver to get a break so you could spend that time going to the support group for the first hour and then have three more hours to yourself afterwards to run errands go take a nap um, whatever it is that that you can you can squeeze into that time we're we're happy to give you a free break so um, so that's also available if you think I can't really get away from my loved one to go to this group. I'd love to participate. Um, so long as they're a good fit for the program, you know, they would, um, you know, they'd be comfortable in that environment. Um, you know, at, and, and sometimes people are like, I'm not sure if they'd be comfortable. But again, knowing there's a one to one volunteer ratio, they'd have a buddy who's with them the whole time um, to go through those activities. You know, say the activity, the next activity is bingo or sing along and your loved one's like, nope, not for me. They've got their buddy there who would say, that's okay, we don't have to do that. And they can just kind of chat with them or find some other activity for them to do. But um, just an opportunity for them to uh, be socially engaged for a couple hours, get that break for you. Um, and and it's all free, which is the best part, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's certainly one of the best parts, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's one-on-one. That's wonderful. So you, you, your loved one is going to be safe mm-hmm. in an environment that is designed for their conditions so that there's no surprises. Mm-hmm. You can actually have four real hours of yep. catch mm-hmm. your breath. Absolutely. What Absolutely. a wonderful program. Now, if somebody would like to get involved with this, what's the best way to get in contact with you? Everybody's got their pencils out to uh, to write down a phone number here. Sure. So you can give our 24-7 helpline a call. We have a free confidential 24-7 helpline that is available truly 365, 365 days of the year, um, 24-7. And that number is 1-800-272-3900. You can just give them a call and say, I'm interested in learning more about the respite program and support group in Lockport, New York, and they'll get you connected. Well, that's pretty easy. Again, that number is 1-800-272-3900, 1-800-272-3900, because I'm sure there's going to be some folks calling that number, and that's, a, that's, a, national, that's a national number that it they will, uh, and then they'll direct you right here back to Niagara County. Yep. 
Absolutely. Sounds like a plan to me, Andrea. <laughs> it's coming along nicely. All right. So now the Western New York chapter mm-hmm. of the um, Alzheimer's Association does have over 20 uh, groups that meet monthly. Is that what yes. I'm understanding? Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, how do we go about picking a group? You know, what's going to be the right fit besides the one that meets uh, every second Wednesday here in Lockport? Mm-hmm. The other 19 groups that meet in Western <laughs> New York, you know, it might fit someone else's schedule better. Can we talk about those other 19 groups and where they are? What's what? How would we find out what's going to be the best fit for us? Absolutely. You know, I think um, if there's one good thing that came out of COVID, um, I think it forced us to kind of rethink the way we did our support group program. You know, this is something that we've that we've run for for decades now um, but during covid we started offering some virtual groups and when i say virtual to be clear you don't have to be computer savvy if you don't have a computer or internet that's fine you can literally call in from a landline you know turn your rotary phone and and call on into the group and we can get you connected um so we offer these groups. It's it's through Zoom, but you can join online from your smartphone, your computer, or really, truly via landline um, and get together with folks. So, you know, we have special groups um, like there's a daughter's group. There's a group for um, people who are wives or, you know, significant others of, uh, of someone with Alzheimer's disease. We have a men's only group, um, because sometimes, you know, let's, let's face it, sometimes men process their emotions a little differently from how the ladies do. And sometimes it's just helpful to be around a group of men talking it through, um, we have groups for specific types of dementia. So, Alzheimer's disease is the most common dementia-causing illness, but there are other brain diseases that some folks have, like frontotemporal dementia. We have a group specifically for caregivers of folks who have that disease, or Lewy body dementia. We have a Lewy body caregivers group as well. So, you know, I think um, before COVID, the support groups, it was really, what's your closest group, right? What, which one can you get to most conveniently? But now we have all sorts of different specialty groups that folks can join so they can find people who um, really understand them on a uh, on an additional level, aside from just being a caregiver, but being a caregiver for your mom or dad, being, um, you know, a caregiver for your, your wife. Um, you can find that extra kind of affinity with folks, and, and that has proven to be really helpful. Hmm. Now, I, I was just thinking when you were listing off the different types of dementia and this alzheimer's is a big umbrella mm-hmm. yeah a really big umbrella and so diagnosis yeah. is critically important yeah absolutely so the treatment can be um properly targeted exactly so i was just looking up uh, like like with bruce willis mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. he has this uh progressive um aphasia yeah primary progressive aphasia which no. is that falls under the umbrella of frontotemporal dementia. So okay. that just means it gets started in a different part of the brain than where Alzheimer's takes hold. Mm-hmm. Um, Alzheimer's takes hold in the short-term memory center of the brain. The disease that Bruce Willis has, it takes it takes hold in the frontal lobe, um, and in that's in the language center of the brain. So the first symptoms for him or that he couldn't find the words that he's looking for. He may right. know exactly what he wants to say, but the words won't come. So it 
that disease uh, presents a different set of challenges, especially for someone like Bruce Willis, who's used his voice professionally, uh, you know, as his career. So, um, yeah, these different diseases can look a little bit different. And, um, you know, I think people, the public has some familiarity with Alzheimer's disease, right? We, we, people generally know roughly what that means. But for the folks who have these more rare types of dementia, a lot of times people don't understand what they're going through. So to find people here in Western New York who are also living it and get and get it, that's a really powerful thing. Absolutely. And it's and it's important that we don't just put them under that umbrella for our own bias sake, mm-hmm. you know, because it's very it's a specific and it's a specialty uh, arrangement there. Yeah. But it's, it's got to be got to be very very difficult yeah um so as oh have you heard i heard on the news this morning that there's a new drug for yes alzheimer's i was actually on the news on my way to work this morning yes. at 4 30 in the morning i'm listening to the <laughs> to the national news and and they're talking about this new drug are you familiar this, with it and is yes. it effective uh, can you tell us a little bit about some of that yes it's super super exciting um yeah very timely because they literally just made the announcement yesterday so um the alzheimer's drugs that we've had for many years um so all right taking the taking a step back here alzheimer's disease was first identified by dr alzheimer in 1906 we didn't have a drug to treat it until the nine until the 1990s. So for many years, we just didn't have anything to battle this disease. In the 90s and early 2000s, there were some medications developed, some pills that you can take that help with the symptoms of the disease. It's basically like taking a cough syrup when you have a cold. Right. Um, so those medications they they help with the symptoms but they weren't doing anything to cure the disease to stop the disease progression itself we now have as of yesterday morning three drugs that have been shown to actually change the course of the disease with alzheimer's disease there are these protein deposits that show up in the brain called beta amyloid plaques we'll just call them plaques So these plaques start showing up in the brain and killing brain cells. They start gunking up the works and kind of uh, clogging things up. And the brain cells, once they become, you know, disconnected because these plaques are gunking it up, they die. And it's because the brain is dying, these brain cells are dying, that people have the symptoms of the disease. These three drugs, so uh, in, in 2021, we had one that came out called Agihelm. Then uh, earlier this year, in January, we had one that came out called Lakembi. And now, as of yesterday, we, we have uh, clinical trial results saying there's going to be this third drug that's going for FDA approval. These three drugs, and the new one, it doesn't have a brand name yet. The, the mouthful name is Denanamab. Um, so these three drugs, they actually clear those plaques out of the brain and stop or slow the disease progression. So, you know, I think it's it's really exciting because we're entering into an era where Alzheimer's disease is becoming treatable. We don't just have a Band-Aid approach like those drugs that we've had for the last couple decades where we just kind of, you know, they people can take those drugs, they help for a while, but eventually the disease overpowers them and they're not helpful anymore. We are now 
entering a phase where we have drugs that can actually attack the disease itself and slow the progression. So this is a game changer. Absolutely. This is this is amazing. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Andrea Cook. She is from the Western New York Alzheimer's Association, and we're talking about uh, the importance of reaching out, I guess, and, mm-hmm. and just getting some help. And this is for the caregiver and for the patient. Um, there's there's help for everybody here. And uh, if you're just joining us in the conversation, you can certainly feel free to cl- join our conversation by calling 433-1433. And we would love to have your your experiences, your expertise, even, uh, you know, what you're, what you're dealing with in, in your particular situation. And maybe Andrea can uh, help uh, point you in the right direction or we could learn something from your experience. Now, from what I've read, I did a little bit of... A little bit of background here in pre- preparation for the show. The preclinical Alzheimer's mm-hmm. actually starts 10 to 15 years before the symptoms start to show up. Yeah. So my question to you is, how do we get into that 10 to 15 years mm. before the symptoms show up so that we can start using the medication that is effective in s- slowing or stopping the progression of the disease? I mean, I can see a, a, a window here. Yep. That I, I'm not sure how to go through this window, but mm-hmm. I'm, that's what I'm seeing and I'm reading and I'm surmising. Do we have thoughts about that? Sure. Very astute. Yes. Um, so uh, a key thing about these these new medications that stop the that slow the progression of the disease, these medications are effective early on. So once a person, so when a person has what we call mild cognitive impairment or they're in this preclinical stage. So what that means is we've discovered that Alzheimer's disease starts taking hold in the brain and affecting the brain 10 to 15 years before we ever see symptoms of Alzheimer's disease. So it's it's got its creepy little paws in there and is doing damage to the brain before we ever start long before we ever start seeing any memory changes in a person. Um, so what we've got to figure out is how to catch it in that early stage and get to the point where we can prevent Alzheimer's disease. Um, that really seems to be where the future of research is going is figuring out how to prevent it um, or catch it very early and slow it down or stop it. So right now we've got a lot of work to do to get to that point um, to catch the disease Um Right now, we know that you can do a spinal tap for a person. Not fun, right? Uh, no one's jumping in line to do that. But you can do a spinal tap to see if a person has these beta amyloid plaques that are building up in the brain. You can find that in their spinal fluid. So that's one way to catch it before you have symptoms. But again, unpleasant. We're hoping, <laughs> we're hoping for something better than that. They're doing research right now to look into a blood test, um, and it's looking very promising. So hopefully in the future, it'll be something where, you know, they send you off to get some lab work. They come back and say, mm, it's looking like your beta amyloid plaque load is a little high. Maybe we should start you on this medication to prevent you from having memory symptoms. That's our end goal, but right. we're just not quite there yet. Right, but you can see it. We can mm-hmm. see it coming. Yep. And researchers are, I'm sure, working feverishly. Absolutely. At, at this end, because mm-hmm. what a what a what a game changer! Absolutely, what an absolute game changer! Has there been any clinical trials as far as um, any adverse side effects to any of these? Uh, 
medicines? Yeah, yeah. So there, um, there are some potential side effects. So there's something that uh, the the acronym is ARIA, and forgive me, I'm going to blank on what that stands for. But uh, basically, there are. Um, uh, microscopic brain bleeds, swelling, brain swelling, and brain bleeds that can happen as a side effect of these medications. So, um, you know, any medication has potential side effects. These are rarely, um, rarely very serious. Um, people, it's hard to believe, but people can have these brain bleeds and, and it not actually be that big of a deal. But for some people, it can absolutely um, lead to lead to serious problems. So it's certainly something to discuss with your doctor, with a neurologist. More likely, that's going to be who's prescribing these medications. Um, and these medications, they're an infusion, not a pill. So it's sort of it would, you would go in most cases twice a month. Almost like going for chemotherapy. Right. So you'd have a porch installed. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And you'd get this as an infusion twice a month. So it, it's not just quickly pop a pill and be done with it. Right. It's, it's, it's not... a little more complicated. Right. So very, very curious. That's a really, it's, it's just such groundbreaking news. It is. That it's, a, it's very timely for you to Yeah. So I can I say there's there's sure. one thing about this though that is really tricky right now. What <laughs> the price tag with these medications? And as of right now, there are no insurance companies, um, Medicare, Medicaid. They don't cover these medications. So this is something the Alzheimer's Association is working really hard to address. We are constantly speaking with lawmakers, um, folks who care about this issue. You can join this fight with us and call your local lawmakers and let them know that we need uh, CMS, the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services. We need them to reverse their decision on this. Um, they initially said, like, yeah, we're not sure this medication's really worth it, so... Um, we're not going to pay for it. And the price tag for these medications out of pocket is around $30,000 a year. So right now, these medications are only accessible to people who are either in a clinical trial or can pay for it out of pocket. And I don't know about you, but I work in nonprofit. I can't, I can't afford that kind of medication. Um, (laughs) yeah. Many I, people I don't can't. make that much a year. <laughs> no, no. So um, we're work, working really hard to um, try and get uh, CMS, Center for Medicaid and Medicare, to reverse their decision on this. And once they do, the private insurance companies will follow suit. Right. They, well, yeah, that would just make sense. That would be logical that mm-hmm. they would have to do that. It, it's interesting that they made the decision before they were done with the clinical trials. Yeah, yeah. You know, why don't we wait till after the clinical trials and then make a decision? Right. I mean, they got the they got the buggy before the horse there just exactly. because they saw dollars. Exactly. It's all about dollars, and they're not. You know, what about the value of human life? Is exactly is uh, the question. You know, every human is valuable. Absolutely, and, and I, you know, I think it it shows a little bit of ageism in the system that we think like, well, it's older folks and. You know, uh, so, you know, I think, I mean, it strikes me, you know, I see these, all these medication commercials on TV every night. Oh my gosh. You know, the ones where, where, you know, it's talking about like metastatic breast cancer and this medication can give a person six more months of life. And, you know, I I remember the first time I heard that, I was like, oh, we're only talking about six months here, but six months is valuable. And 
these medications for Alzheimer's disease, the way they work, they give people more time with their families, recognizing their families, um, you know, more time with quality of life where they can live well and, and spend time with their loved ones and everyone can enjoy each other. Um, you know, and, and we're talking, you know, at least an extra 18 months in that early stage where the person's still functioning well. And that's worth it. If you know any family who has lived this disease, um, they would give everything for an extra 18 months with their loved one. Absolutely. So we've talked about the uh, preclinical stages. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the base, the, the, the first, the, the basic symptoms that are starting to come out. Sure. Now, you have to figure, like I forget my keys all the time. <laughs> you know, sometimes my socks don't match. My wife puts a note on the door and says, you know, you got your teeth, you got your teeth, you got your glasses, you got your <laughs> wallet. You know, it's kind of a joke, but it's kind of not really a joke mm-hmm. because, you know, I got so many things going on all yes. the time that I, you know, sometimes I just drop one of the things on the on the things to do list. Absolutely. You know, so where do we start to 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 weigh the difference between just dropping one of the things on the to-do list mm-hmm. as compared to we're starting to show early signs that we're having some cognitive failure. Sure. So, you know, I think the 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 dividing line is whether it's if it's making it difficult for you to function in your daily life. Um you know, and if you're doing things that are uncharacteristic for you. So, you know, I, you know, I think when people say, I'm a little worried because I, you know, I get, I get forgetful. Usually when I tell people where I work, the first thing they say is like, ooh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I forget sometimes. And, and that's part of the human condition. We all forget. And if someone says, you know, I've been forgetting more lately, that the first two things I always ask them, number one is how are you sleeping? If you're not sleeping well, that leads to confusion and forgetfulness. So very often um, that can be the culprit. And it's a good idea to get to your doctor and find out if that is potentially the issue. Number two is how's your stress level? If you've got a lot going on um, and you are you know, burning the candle at both ends, that leads to confusion and forgetfulness as well. So I, I think those are very common causes of increased forgetfulness in a person. And, and as we age, we become a little more forgetful naturally. You know, the way I think of it is when you're young, um, the filing cabinet that is your memory, there's not a whole lot in there. The older that you get, the more file folders are in there. So sometimes it takes longer to rifle through all those folders to get the information that you're looking for. That's natural. Um, but when it starts to be that the person is having a hard time functioning, they're regularly missing bills or paying bills twice by accident, um, they are getting lost going to familiar places. Um, you know, I think it, when it starts being very noticeably different from how they've always behaved. Um, and they're, you know, sometimes people will be in denial, but I'm fine. There's nothing wrong with me, you know, and, and kind of try and sweep it under the rug. Um, but, but when it's making it hard for them to function in their daily lives, um, then, then that's a, it's a good idea to get to a doctor and get checked out. Right. Now, for, from what I've studied, oftentimes the patient's, will notice the symptoms before the family members do, mm-hmm. and then they'll hide them mm. to the best of their ability. Absolutely. So now fear kicks in, mm-hmm. right? This is this is a fear reaction, a fight or, fight or flight. Yeah. Right, so that this reaction kicks in. Now things, you know, the thing that I was thinking about, you know, is 
did you take your medication twice or did you forget to take your medication at all? Mm-hmm. You know, because older people are generally speaking on allopathic medicine, mm-hmm. a lot of pills. Yeah. Yeah. And so all of a sudden now that's going to affect him and you start to hide your forgetfulness mm-hmm. until family members, you know, it becomes blatantly obvious that there is an issue that we need to talk about. Absolutely. And so uh, how do you talk to the patient and say, you know, it's okay. It's, mm. you know, you're not alone. It's okay to Absolutely. to talk about this to your, to your physician, to your family, to your loved ones. What is the approach in that? Gosh, it can be really tricky. You know, I, I think that people tend to get really embarrassed when they start forgetting things and making mistakes. Um, so I, I think the natural instinct is to feel ashamed and, and try to hide it. Um, but, uh, you know, unfortunately, that it, that's counterproductive, especially now with these new medications that hopefully will be accessible and affordable to all soon. Um, with these new medications, they're most effective the earlier on you start taking them. So, um, you know, and there's lots of things that can mimic Alzheimer's disease and dementia that are treatable and reversible. So I think that sometimes people assume the worst and they, and they, you know, try and sweep it under the rug and pretend it's not happening. But you're not doing yourself any favors by doing that because you might actually be able to fight this and, and turn it around. Um, for family members in the position, you know, how to have the conversation, um, you know, sometimes depending on your loved one, you you know them best. Sometimes just having a frank conversation saying, listen, I'm worried about you. I'm worried maybe you have a vitamin deficiency or, or, you know, how are you sleeping? Do you, maybe, I wonder if you have sleep apnea. I, I just want you to live as well as you possibly can. So can we get to the doctor and, and see if there's something that they can do to help you, um, function better, live better? If you've got someone who's a real stubborn stick in the mud, um, you know, sometimes we will recommend a little bit of, um, we like to call it therapeutic fibbing, where, you know, maybe you, you make up a reason why they have to go to the doctor. Say, like, I'm sorry, you know, Medicare, they're demanding everyone goes this year. Everyone has to go for their annual checkup. So, you know, we've... And we've even gone so far as, you know, having a family like write up a fake letter on fake <laughs> Medicare letterhead and say like, hey, it's not me. The doctors yeah. want it. Not my call. This government, you know, they, they want to control everything. So, um, you know, if that's what you need to do, then then by all means go for it. But, you know, I, I think letting the person know that it's coming from a loving place it's not coming from a judgmental place where, you know, I, I think you're screwing up here and we got to get this figured out. Uh, letting them know that I'm just, I'm worried about you and I, I, I want to, I want to help make sure that you're getting the care that you need. Um, and, and I want to help you address this and fix right, this. Right. Because you still deal with the, the stages of grief. Absolutely. You know, there's the denial, the deal making, and then, you know, all of the others and then finally acceptance. Yep. Absolutely. And, and I believe that that, that those stages of grief have to be incorporated into the into the family dynamics. Absolutely. Of the treatment of both the patient and the caregivers. Mm-hmm. Because the caregiver is going to go into denial too, right? It's yes. Going, oh, it's so oh, true. Oh, it's not that bad. Oh, oh boy, it's that bad. Yeah. You know. And then as we reach into the now, we're we're just going to start to talk about the the third as you as you rate them the third the uh, the more severe symptomatic uh, issues that mm-hmm. that are happening. Um, 
it's you know you, you start to re- difficulty remembering what you just read. Yeah. Or you know, mm-hmm. I I have a lady that uh, is unfortunately afflicted by this disease, and she'll call me, and half the time during the conversation she'll forget why she called me, mm-hmm. but then she'll call me again two or three more times, forgetting that she had already called me two yeah. or three times. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, I just go along with it, you know, because. Mm-hmm. She doesn't remember. So right. Why, you know, I just, I just go, you know, okay, yeah, we'll just do it again. Yep. It yep. Takes, only takes five minutes. Right. <laughs> five minutes of kindness. Yes. You know, what's it, what's it going to hurt? Yes, absolutely. You know, and so she's getting into the more advanced stages of, mm-hmm. of, the, of the dementia. And, uh, and, and to, to watch it as a, I guess from a sociological point of view, I would call myself a participant observer. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay, because I'm not a family member. However, I am involved with her life on a limited um, uh, scope, mm-hmm. and because I only see her once a week, I can see the progression of the disease being more marked than if I, I think if I were with her every day. It's like watching a child grow. Mm-hmm. You know, if I see the kid only once a week, you know, I, I can notice the growth spurts more than mom and dad can sure. because mom and dad didn't notice that that quarter of an inch or whatever that Absolutely. the kid grew during the course of that week. And so it gives me a unique perspective on on the disease as far as. Um, the behavioral changes, um, the, the the mood swings that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems that people kind of swing one way or the other. They'll get docile, or perhaps they'll get um, argumentative. Have you, do you have you have experience with that? Sure. Yeah. You know, I think everyone everyone's impacted a little differently. So you know, some people. Um, you know, I, I used to work in nursing homes, and there were some people who um, were just kind of pleasantly confused. And you know, I, there was one woman who. Um, you know, she would oftentimes forget that she used a walker. And so I'd see her going down the hallway, desperately clinging to, uh, they had, you know, railings on the sides of the wall. And she'd be mm-hmm. clinging to the railing. And I'd see her and I'd say, oh, oh, you know what? Let, let me help you. We should, let me go and get you a, 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 your walker. I bet that that would be really helpful. So you don't have to hold on to this so hard. And she'd say, oh, that's so kind of you. Thank you. You know, and it would just be like, I, I would say like, here, let me give you a ride um, right. and, and handle it that way. And sure. she'd say, oh, what service? And, you know, it was this nice thing. That's right. Versus other people who mm-hmm. who, who can become hostile. You know, I think, um, you know, trying to be calm and respectful and mm-hmm. and uh forgiving in your approach to them um you know giving them the space to realize you know i think that um you know a person who's agitated you should generally regard them as a person who's frightened um that you know very often that that uh, that uh that aggression that agitation comes from a place of fear um so being patient with them in that moment, I think, is is truly your best bet. It but it's really hard. Is. Well, Andrea, thank you so much for joining us uh, this morning. Uh, final thoughts: You got about uh, uh, about forty five seconds. Remind everybody about the meeting that's happening and uh, how they can get in touch with you. Absolutely. So, Lockport Caregiver Support Group and respite for people in the early stage with dementia at Trinity Lutheran Church, second Wednesday of the month. Give us a call: eight hundred two seven two. Three nine zero zero. All right. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join us this morning. It's been really super informative, and uh, I'm glad that you were able to show up and uh, and share your knowledge with us because it, it does affect our community, and uh, and that's what we're all all about here is to make sure the community has a better better understanding and a better place to go with it. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much. All right. Take care, Andrea Cook for me. 
Western New York chapter of the Alzheimer's Association. We'll talk to you again soon. Until then, folks, have a good day, and we'll be in touch. See you tomorrow. 